Welcome to another episode of the Lions Football Show. I'm your host, Lance Cartelli, Managing Editor at Lions.com. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, former NFL player Eric Crocker. On today's episode, you know, sadly we're into the offseason, aka dynasty season for fantasy football players. But the real kickoff to the offseason is the NFL scouting combine and the franchise tag deadline. So let's preview both as we rage towards free agency on March 16th. Let's start with the uh, franchise tags. Uh, I put together a little list of 10 franchise tag candidates and placed them into different tiers. Uh, One locks, two probably, three iffy. So let's go through the tiers real quick. My first uh, tier for locks is uh, Devontae Adams for the Packers. Yeah. What do you think of that one? Definitely a lock. Now, it's going to be kind of predicated on what goes on with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, you know, how Devontae Adams is going to feel about that. I feel like maybe they won't have to use the franchise tag on them if they get something going or a, commit, a commitment from Aaron Rodgers. Maybe they'll just be able to lock uh, Devontae Adams into a, a long-term deal. But I think as it's looking right now, they, they're probably going to have to use that franchise tag on them. And you can't let them hit free agency. You can't. And I don't think they will. Yeah, he's still one of the best receivers in the NFL, even though he's, you know – about to turn 30. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, you know, obviously wants him back. The problem is the money. If Rodgers really wants $50 million a year and Devontae's going to get probably around $25 million a year, there's that's just going to be tough for them to handle when they're $40 million over the cap. But there's absolutely no way they can let him go. If you let him go, there's no way Rodgers comes back. Yeah, and they did, they did free up some money. They restructured a couple of contracts. I think one of them was Aaron Jones, a running back. Another one was, uh, I can't remember exactly who it was, but I do know it freed up about $13 million. And yeah, that that's is still... In the grand scheme of things, with having to re-sign Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers, but in a little, little wiggle room, I guess. Yeah, they have a lot of work to do still. Like, with that $13 million they freed up, they're still right at about $40 million over. And then if you add in $75 million there, you've got the Aaron Jones deal. You've got uh, their corners that are are really good. You know, a lot of guys to pay back TR, he's making 20 million a year. So it's, I mean, you can, you can't pay everyone. And if you have, you're paying your six players, there's still, um, you know, 47 other guys to pay. Did it, have you heard of anything about the report of Aaron Rodgers potentially wanting about $50 million a year? Did you see that? Yeah. Yeah. That's what I, uh, I said, uh, I mentioned earlier that just okay, seems, yeah. that seems untenable for them. Like obviously, you can kind of massage the salary cap a little bit, but with him making 50 and if Devontae's making 25, that's 75 right there. Like, and the right, salary cap's crazy. a little over 200 million. So they, it's, it just, if at that point, that sounds like he's making a demand that's you can't meet. And that's just his way of getting out. Let's uh, let's go to uh, my other lock, uh, Jesse Bates on the Bengals. You know, the Bengals might have uh, made the Super Bowl, but they still have plenty of holes to fill this offseason. Other than the offensive line, the Bengals need to make sure they lock up uh, Bates. Uh, what do you think, Crocky, if you're still on there? Yeah, no, definitely still here. And, and and we'll see how much of a lock it is. The safety market, typically when they hit free agency, is not great. I remember a few years ago, there were some guys that people were certain would get these, like, lucrative contracts. Eric Reed was one of them. Uh, Kenny Vaccaro. Uh, Trey Boston, and a lot of those guys kind of sat on the market for a really long time. And Bates, 
terrific safety. We'll see what ultimately he gets, but I, I'm not so sure they're just going to go ahead and franchise tag him because I don't know if the market for him, even in free agency, will be as lucrative as some people think. Terrific safety. I think he has really good ball skills. But uh, how much will he get on the open market? I think that's to kind of be determined. We'll, we'll see about that. So I don't know if he's quite as a, as much of a lock as Devontae Adams. See, to me, he's a lock just because, one, the Bengals are just a weird organization from the start. They're a family-run organization. They're more loyal to a fault than other organizations. So it feels like they're going to pay him a lot. And at the very worst, they'll franchise tag him. He was awesome in the playoffs. He made game-breaking plays. I think your point about safety's not having a huge market, I think that makes more sense for them to franchise tag him because the tag money isn't as big. And, you know, he's, he just turned 24, or he's about to turn, or let's see, he turns 24 or turns 25 tomorrow. So those are the kind of guys that get paid, those young guys right. who are game-breakers. And coming off a of hot playoffs where, you know, more people kind of know who he is, I think all those kind of things make him a lock. Right. And, and again, I, I think the age, that part of it should help only being 25 years old. I remember a few years ago when it was uh, Tyron Matthew hit the market. And again, he was another guy where he wasn't as lucrative as you would have thought, but uh, he earned a payday after having a big year with the Houston Texans, I believe it was at the time. And he's been good ever since. And we'll see what the market is because that's another safety that's going to be out there. Obviously much older, or he is older than... Yeah, it feels like if you miss out on a on a Jesse Bates, then Tyron Matthew is a good consolation. And he's going to get his third big contract. That's like almost unheard of for uh, for safeties. Something uh, Greg Rosenthal tweeted about uh, yesterday, which is pretty... Impressive. My last lock, Orlando Brown Jr., Chiefs left tackle. Feels like a no-brainer to me. The Chiefs gave up a ton to get Orlando Brown Jr. last year, made the Pro Bowl. So either they tag him or sign him up to a long-term deal. What do you think, Rocky? I went through my rough patch, so I didn't quite hear exactly. But who was your last lock? So it was Orlando Brown Jr., left tackle, Pro Bowl left tackle for the Chiefs, who they just traded for. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously the Chiefs, they're trying to figure out their whole cap situation. It's tough having to play a tackle, pay a tackle a ton of money, especially when you have so much money and resources, putting the guys like one Patrick Mahomes, whose contract is about to start kicking in. And then uh, you have uh, Kelsey and you got Tariq Hill, and you're already having to make the decisions to let go of guys like a, you know, Tyron Matthew, and you're losing kind of key parts to your defense. I think if you want to have one area where you're like, you know what, this is a strength of ours, and that's going to continue that way, it'll be the offense. So, you know, I think for them it would be more worth it to definitely keep a guy like Brown around, whether it's the franchise tag or other. I think for them they probably want to be more proactive with getting him locked up long-term in a deal uh, as opposed to having to use on him. Now, if you have to uh, use the franchise tag just to eventually get – a long-term deal done, then you do that. But yeah, you got to you 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 got to get that. Yeah, it just feels like they exactly, can't exactly how important that is for them because of the pressure that their young quarterback Mahomes is under in the in the Super Bowl a couple years ago 
that was pretty much the reason why they lost. They could not protect the quarterback and give him time to make those big plays. So, uh, yeah, make the offense a strength of yours. I think they'll do that by uh, keeping him locked up. Yeah, it's, it reminds me of the Laramie Tunsil situation where they traded for him and they knew he was going to be a free agent. So now he has all the leverage because the Chiefs can't give up a first and third rounder for a one-year rental and then have a huge hole at left tackle. So that's eventually going to get done. They have about $11 million in cap space. They can create more. So it'll be tight, but they'll make that one work. But how much does he get? It'll be a ton if they can uh, work out a long-term deal. Let's move to my probably tier. Uh, first probably is J.C. Jackson on the Patriots. Uh, he's an interesting one. Uh, Patriots do a really great job of developing corners, but they typically let their free their their corners hit free agency and test the market and not pay top dollar. I still think he gets tagged and then walks in free agency a year from now. What do you think, Crocky? You know, the, the Patriots, they've been notorious for letting guys go a year too soon as opposed to a year too late. And listening to... J.C. Jackson and kind of some of his frustration with the process and kind of coming out and saying, hey, you know, I, I want to be here, but it's, they don't want me, <laughs> you know, and I don't know if it's that simple. Maybe they haven't had quite those open uh, contact conversations just yet with him, but there is something there in the sense of a guy that is, you know, he's a cornerback position and, and, and the Patriots, how much do they value him? You would think a ton, but they've been really good at just finding guys that fit what it is that they want to do extremely well and throwing resources at it. They have already tagged him. I believe he was tagged last year, right? Or was he signed on the, uh, it was like an exclusive franchise type thing yeah, or something. Yeah, he was exclusive. So yeah, yeah. this is his first so they, tag. Yeah, they didn't have to spend a bunch of money on him. I think now that they actually have to give him a payday, and I mean, most people are guessing he's going to get anywhere between, you know, 16 to $18 million a year. How willing are they going to be to pay that? Now, you would assume they, they would pay it because, they have a quarterback on a rookie contract. This is the time to pay guys like him. And obviously at a premium position, I think he does a terrific job of being good, but, you know, he takes the ball away. I think that's the biggest thing I think he has going for him. The one, I guess, pushback you could give, and I've kind of been given that in the sense of the 49ers and, and people saying, oh, they need a shutdown corner. How much does a corner like J.C. Jackson help you in the sense of game to game? Because we watched them in the playoffs play against Buffalo, and we that all was a saw rough what game. happened. You know, they, they gave up 47 points. Uh, you know, the, Josh Allen threw five, four incomplete passes. He had more touchdown passes than incompletions. All right, five touchdown passes, four incompletions. J.C. Jackson was on the field for that. So maybe, you know, a guy like, uh, you know, Bill Belichick is looking at it like, look, if I can put more resources, maybe draft a corner, get a guy on a much cheaper contract, uh, you know, spread that money out so instead of one guy making $18 million, it's, you know, it's five free agents taking up $18 million. Maybe that might go the route he that – might, that might be the route he goes as opposed to just yeah. spending so much on one player. Yeah, I could – I think at the very worst they tag him and then try to trade him. I don't think they let him go and just take the third-round comp pick. So uh, – and they, they have a little bit of money. They are $8 million under the cap, and they can obviously fear more. And like you said, they have that – uh, the most coveted thing, the rookie contract uh, for a quarterback. So I, uh, I definitely see him either get getting tagged no matter what, but either sticking around for a year or getting traded. Yeah, I can see that. Let's go. My next probably is Harold Landry for the Titans. Uh, another interesting one. 
he was awesome this past year. Doesn't turn 26 until June. Had a career high 12 sacks last year. Those are the guys that get paid. What do you think? Ooh, I, you know, pass rush. Now, that's a position that I take as a – I mean, you know, you talk about having a premium position and what you are prioritizing. I think pass rush has to be right there at the top, even over quarterback. So if you have a guy like Landry, he's done a terrific job, um, especially after his rookie year, just, you know, getting to the quarterback in a, in a variety of ways. And when you look at the Tennessee Titans, kind of what they are – what they're predicated on is defense, is pass rush. You know, even in the uh, game against the Cincinnati Bengals, you can't say pass rush didn't show up. They sacked Joe Burrow nine times. Right. So, you know, being able to affect quarterback in that way, I think you got to keep kind of those pieces together, and I think Landry's a big part of that. Yeah, what will be interesting is they, they paid Bud Dupree a lot of money last year, so will they, you know, fork it over again? Tennessee, $8 million over the cap this year, but he's one of those guys, if he hits free agency, pass rusher that young, that's the kind of guy that gets a lot of money. So it'll be really interesting. I think they do tag him, though. Yeah, and I, and I think if I'm them, tag him until maybe the the uh, cap goes up. Or, I mean, that's another thing they could do, right? And, and again, sometimes we talk about the tag, but a lot of guys, like teams don't want to have to make somebody play on the tag they because it hurts them more as far as cap space for that current year. Right. So they yep. would ideally like to lock him up to a long-term contract Maybe the negotiations haven't gone the way that they want them to go right now, but you know if you if you want to franchise them, I mean you're going to pay maybe nineteen million dollars for the year or something like that, and it's all going to kind of give the cap, as opposed to signing them to a long term contract, uh, putting a whole bunch of that in the signing bonus, and then maybe pushing off the rest of it, uh, you know, kind of backloading a little bit. You actually help yourself uh, with the cap space. So I bet they want to get that done, but maybe utilizing that franchise tag might just give them more time to make it happen. Yeah, I think you're going to see a lot of that. If the if teams can afford the the initial signing bonus so you can spread it out, and then with the cap exploding over the next few years, I think you're going to see teams big signing bonus, then backload. Yeah. And then, all right, let's go to my last probably. Cam Robinson, left tackle for the Jaguars. He was franchise tagged last year, so he'll get even more money this year. Uh, the Jags don't have a ton of candidates outside of DJ Chark which I don't think uh, – I would be surprised if they tag him. But I think they'll, they'll tag Robinson. They've already indicated that they want to and then, uh, and then potentially draft another offensive tackle first overall. What are your thoughts on that? Sorry about that. I missed, I missed the last part. Uh, uh, can you repeat that? Yeah, so Cam Robinson, Jaguars, left tackle, uh, tagged last year. Uh, I think they uh, tag him again and then draft an uh, offensive tackle first overall this year. Yeah, so I, I've been predicting them draft tackle – now, I have gotten some pushback by some of the Jaguar fans saying, hey, listen, you know, I, I know it seems like you got to go all in on building that offensive line for the Jaguars and, and protect your young quarterback, which to me, it looked like he was running for his life half the time. But a lot of fans saying, hey, we had a terrible defense. So I think some of them are saying, no, you go pass rush, even though you just went, uh, not not just Josh Allen, but I think it was Chase on after that, who's more of a like kind of three, four outside linebacker type guy, but he he could be a pass rusher as well. I think they might even still want to go pass rush and get somebody that can help that defense because right now, when you look at it, there's holes everywhere, there's leakage everywhere, as opposed to that offensive line. I think it was uh, 25 sacks, uh, which was that's the number of times that Trevor Lawrence was sacked. So I don't know. They they are a very interesting team, 
I think when it comes to like their tackle, you got to keep that at least in place and you can't create more holes. So I think using the franchise tag on a player like him definitely should be something that's in play. Yeah, they can certainly afford it. They have over 56 million in cap space. I think, you know, the logical plan is keep him at left tackle. You draft first overall a guy at right tackle. And then if you let Cam Robinson go in a year, that guy moves over to left tackle. And I think, you know, obviously you want to fix everything in an offseason, but the Jaguars can't. They're that far away. The defense wasn't that bad last year. Wasn't that great either. But I think the main goal is make sure Trevor Lawrence is supported and he can realize his talent. You can't waste Trevor Lawrence. You can't do what you did last year. So they have right. to protect him. I think they spend a lot of money on pass catchers, and I think they draft offensive linemen. Right. Yeah, I, I can see that. And that's, that's the route I would go. Even yeah. if you have one guy, I mean, still, you know, you want to bring back that tackle, great. They need to add some more offensive line there. First and foremost, the main priority should be protect Trevor Lawrence and get him comfortable because until he is, you know, that clock is going to be sped up and you'll see him do some out of, out of, uh, out of character type uh, decision making. Or right, you want to slow the game down for him as much as possible. The way to do that is, one, obviously experience, but two, having good pass protection. Yeah, totally agree. Let's move on to the iffy tier. And here's a guy that the Jaguars could spend a lot of money on. Mike Williams of the Chargers, the receiver. Uh, Chargers have a ton of cap space, but you know, paying Mike Williams $18 million plus a year when he hasn't been completely healthy uh, too often. But you know, on the other hand, Keenan Allen's not getting any younger, and Josh uh, Palmer is still unproven. What do you think? Do they re-sign Mike Williams? Do they franchise tag him or let him? No, I think you let him hit the market. You know, obviously he's a terrific receiver, but as long as you still have Keenan Allen under contract right now, I think this is a deep receiver class. I think you can afford to bring in a rookie who doesn't have to be the guy right away, but you can kind of let him uh, grow uh, and develop organically with your young quarterback. So I let Williams walk, and I go make their priority to bring in maybe even a couple receivers during the draft that can play alongside Keenan Allen and just naturally develop. Yeah, I'm with you. Mike Williams, I don't know. Like, I've always liked him, but it's tough to pay a guy who's sneaky old. He's going to be 28 uh, next year. Uh, so that means you're probably paying him into his 30s, and he just hasn't stayed healthy. And just and he had his, his one good year was really his contract year. Those always scare me, too. Let's move on to another pass catcher uh, on my iffy list. Mike Gesicki, tight end for the Dolphins. Gesicki coming off the best season of his career. But with a new coaching staff coming in that emphasizes blocking and uses more inline tight ends, he might end up being expendable. What do you think? No, I think when you have a player like him, he, he is talented and he does do some things well. Really kind of more of a big receiver. But do what he does well. Again, I'm really big on not creating more holes, especially for a team like Miami with a new offense coming in and, and new head coach. You don't want to give away players that can potentially be productive. So like any good coach, you got to figure out what's going to work best for him. And whatever that is, utilize him that way, as well as kind of adding a guy that maybe does some of the other things. You know, the 49ers drafted a guy by the name of uh, Charlie Warner. All right, he's not this legit pass-catching type guy, but they figured out ways to utilize him as well as kind of using him in the passing game. And then they also have a guy like Ross Dwelly, who's more of a pass catcher than he is a, a blocker and they figure out different ways to utilize him as well. So, you know, I think Gusecki, you just got to figure out how to utilize him in that offense, uh, you know, even if it's the 49ers team. Here's one thing to kind of take into consideration. 
you know, you can come from the Kyle Shanahan tree, but still have your own tweaks. And we've seen that with the Rams and Sean McVay. Comes from the Shanahan tree, but he runs more, way more 11 personnel than the 49ers who run a lot more 21 personnel. So there's different ways to kind of be able to run your offense and just utilize it in a different way, but still be able to use guys to their strengths. Yeah, I think you nailed it. Uh, Miami, you know, they need pass catchers. Outside of Jalen Waddell, they don't really have anybody else. And, you know, Shanahan, it's not like Shanahan's offense hasn't used uh, non-blocking tight ends. Jordan Reed in Washington under Shanahan was awesome. I could see Gesicki in a similar role to Jordan Reed. It will be interesting, though, if they franchise tag him, because if you're Gesicki, the tight end market and the franchise tag is much lower than the receiver. So I bet he argues that he's more of a big receiver than a tight end. And I right. think he has an argument because he has more snaps as pretty much the big slot than an inline tight end. So that'll be right. an interesting one. Uh, let's go to another tight end, Dalton Schultz, Cowboys uh, tight end. You know, another guy coming off a career year. Uh, I think he's going to hit the free agent market, uh, although the Cowboys probably want to keep him. Cowboys, $22 million over the cap. So I, could, I think they could see Schultz as expendable. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, we're talking about a guy who had over 800 yards and eight touchdowns this year. A uh, big-time breakout season. You know, and that's coming off the heels of a season where he had over 600 yards receiving while they have all these other uh, explosive pass catchers in their offense. Obviously, Cowboys throw the ball around a ton, but, you know, th- this is a Cowboys team that can afford to kind of lose them because they have another uh, tight end. Gosh, who's the other guy that came back late? Not Schultz. They have another Blake guy. Jarwin? Yeah, Blake Jarwin. So I think Jarwin makes it to where it shows it becomes a little bit more expendable. And you can kind of let him go. So I'd expect the Cowboys to not really force anything to bring back Schultz. So I think it's a good tight end, but I think you let him hit the market. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think they let him do that. They let Jarwin take over if he's healthy. I think they probably draft a guy. Um, and then they can just emphasize more uh, CeeDee Lamb and the receivers that they paid so much money for. They do have a lot of other free agents to address, Randy Gregory, Michael Gallup. And like I said, $22 million over the cap. So it's it's not easy to fit a guy who you would like back, but probably is expendable with all those right. offensive weapons. Right. All right, let's go to our my final one, our 10th player, last one on the iffy list, Carlton Davis, corner for the Bucks. Another guy that uh, is going to get paid big money no matter what, especially if he hits free agency. 25 and is one of the better cover corners in the league. He had an injury-riddled season last year, which could hurt his value a little bit, and the Bucks only have a little over $2 million in cap space. What do you think? Ooh, now that's a tough one, right? That's a tough one. Cornerbacks, premium position. But I, I believe that the the Bucks have the right formula. You know, similar to the 49ers, where they like to win up front. And they put a lot of resources into that front. And I, I like Davis, but they have some young corners. And maybe you can't ask them to do some of the things that you've seen Davis have to do as far as responsibility, sometimes taking guys, right? We've seen him have to cover guys like Michael Thomas for entire games. Maybe you don't do that uh, with someone else. But I personally would probably go in the direction of, of the draft, and they've done that. And I think they've done a really good job of being able to get production out of some of the younger guys that they brought in, whether it's Murphy Bunting or there's Dean and whoever else they can bring in there. So I go the draft route, and um, I'm not as high on paying cornerbacks a ton of money unless you are going to put a ton on their shoulders 
and play a whole lot of man coverage, which I think they do a good job of mixing up coverages, zones, uh, and things like that. So I, I probably, if I'm them, I would let him walk or at least test free agency and see if the number that he's hearing out there isn't as high. So maybe I bring him back. Yeah, he's just at corners get paid, and at 25, he's just going to get a lot. So if you let him hit free agency, he's gone. But I'm with you. You got to make some tough cuts. And the Todd Bowles defense for the Bucks, he does a good job of developing corners. So his creative blitzing, I think, can make up for some holes in the secondary like it did last year when they were down some secondary players. Right. All right, that's our uh, our franchise tag preview. Let's move on to the scouting combine. Uh, we can do this one pretty quickly. Which uh, which players are you most looking forward to at, at this combine? Oh, man, right away, uh, the name that comes to my mind the most, and there are a few, and obviously, you know, I love my wide receivers and my defensive backs, but, yeah, you know, I think it's the kid out of Auburn, uh, Mc, Roger McCreary, okay. a cornerback. And, and here's why. You know, this is a guy who he has, like, teams have this kind of threshold for – arm length that they want from their corners. I think ideally for guys that are playing outside, they want them to have like 32-inch arm length arms, right? Like that's ideal. Anything less than that, we'll say like 31 inches, 31 and a half, they'll be willing to put up with that. But it's like, okay, yeah, short arms or whatever. Well, McCreary's is like 28 and a half or 29. So that's way less than ideal. But when you watch the film, that wasn't an issue. That he covered extremely well. He was a terrific press guy. He could play in the outside. He could play in the inside. I think because of the arm length, they might try to pigeonhole him into being more of a slot player. So now the question is, can can he play outside or does he have that long speed? So if he goes to the combine, and regardless of his T-Rex arms, if he can show that he can run very well, he might be a guy that they're like, you know what? You know, your, your arms are short, but you know, we'll, we'll look past that because you have the ability to run vertically with guys and you can play all over the field. And I think the the, the biggest thing is going to be from that is I think teams are going to like him regardless because his film is good. But how high does he go? And I think running a, 40, a better 40-yard dash is going to have some teams kind of overlook the fact that he has those shorter arms. Now, let's say he runs 4-5-2. I think that might hurt him a little bit, and he'd be a guy who I think should be a day one guy but ends up going day two because of it. Yeah, I think uh, I, I really like Roger McCreary, but I have the same issues with him. It's just, you know. He's so – can he play outside corner? Is he just a slot? So – but he just seems like a guy that's the perfect day two second-round guy that you'd kind of take a chance on because, you know, NFL teams draft measurables in the first round, so I can see them right. talking themselves into some of the other corners. But he seems like a perfect early day two guy uh, and a, like a, just a guy you want to add to your secondary and find a place for him. Right. For me, uh, a couple guys I'm really looking forward to, the running backs. Who's going to emerge as the running back one? you got Kenneth Walker from Michigan State, Texas A&M's Isaiah Spiller, and Iowa State's Brees Hall. It's not a you know sexy draft class, but you know there are some good guys that could be three down backs and everything. I also want to see uh, Kyron Williams. Can he jump into that top three? He's a smaller guy, but you know he's a really fun running back, and he's probably the best blitz picker-upper of those four. So uh, do you have any thoughts on those guys? Yeah, I think Brees Hall, when you look at a lot of running backs, they, they might – he might be the best, maybe three down guy. I really like Isaiah Spiller. He's mm-hmm. my RB1. Got Brees Hall right behind him. Uh, the biggest thing is going to be can these guys, one, can they be three down guys by being able to you know pick up blitzes and things like that. 
I do believe that Brees Hall might be the better of the two with that. Um, I also think he's a terrific pass catcher. We've seen that, watching him out there in space. Uh, uh, I think Spiller has that as well. Um, those are definitely my two favorite backs who I would expect to go probably uh, early day two. Yeah, I think those are second-round running backs. I'm interested to see Kenneth Walker. He's the best pure runner available in the draft, but can he pick up the blitz and can he catch passes? I really want to see him, how fluid he is in drills and everything, because if he can show that he can be a three-down back and catch passes, then you know his value goes way up and his va- yeah. fantasy value goes way up. Uh, receiver-wise, I really want to see how does Garrett Wilson test, how big is he? Uh, and how fast will Traylon Burks run? Does Traylon Burks just blow up the combine and become you know, solidified top 10 pick? I know you love receivers. What, uh, what are you looking for in those receivers? Well, I love Traylon Burks. I'm glad you brought him up. He is a guy who I'm expecting to run extremely well. All right. I mean, when you watch his explosiveness on tape, on film, anytime you're watching the uh, Arkansas game, I mean, he separates vertically from guys with ease and outruns defenders with ease. His ball skills are terrific. I think the biggest question mark with Traylon Burks will be, you know, well, you know, his route running and mm-hmm. his separation. What people understand is, and if you watch guys like Debo Samuel, and I think you'll hear that comp with Debo just because of kind of maybe how Traylon Burks is built. You know, right now he's listed at 6'3", 230 pounds. Uh, even if he measures in at 6'2", 228 pounds or whatever, I still expect him to run extremely well. But those type of guys don't necessarily have to win with pure separation. A.J. Brown, he's in that mode as well. He wins more with positioning and then has the ability to outrun guys and have big-time run after catch. I see Traylon Burks in that same type of uh, realm, but even a guy that's faster than those guys. You know, I, I you know where Debo was like a 4-4-8 guy, A.J. Brown was around that same range. Traylon Burks, I mean, they're talking about potentially 4-3 or low 4-4s. Four so he's a little bit more of a freakish athlete from that standpoint and actually gives you more – at the catch point on the outside, I mean, he is a vertical pass-catching guy. So I'm, I, he's one guy I'm really intrigued to see what he runs because I think it's, it's going to make him even more money. Now, another guy who I'm intrigued to see how they run, Drake London. Uh, there's some people that have him as the top receiver in this class. I'm actually going to do a deep dive into his film tonight and maybe put some things out there. But we're talking about 6'5", or close to it, uh, you know, a little over 210 pounds. But what's his three-cone? You know, how is that that lateral mobility look? You know, he is a guy who I think should do well because, you know, watching him, you know, he was a basketball player at USC. You know, he's not just a guy that's just this big, stiff receiver. He played basketball at USC and receiver and then finally committed to receiver. I don't even think we've seen the best of Drake London. I think the best of him is yet to come as he commits more to being a full-time receiver. So, uh, but I do think it's going to be important for him to, to, you know, just show the ability to have good three-cone air drill, to show that lateral movement ability, which I think he displays. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm really interested to see him. Uh, USC was awful last year, but he was so fun to watch. And he's so big. Like, 6'5 receivers, it's not easy to be a successful 6'5 receiver in the NFL day. It's really Mike Evans and nobody else. But he is coming off that ankle injury, so I'm not sure if he's going to do any drills or anything, but I'm hoping he's recovered and he does drills and runs and everything because i'm super interested to see his three cone and and things like that right and if he holds off to his pro day great you know just hold off to your pro day if you don't feel comfortable doing it just yet and it gives you and it also gives you more time especially for someone who is coming up in the injury you want to have the maximum time to be able to prepare for combine and pro day drills 
So if you feel right. like you haven't had the maximum opportunity to maximize what you can do from a, a pro agility drill testing standpoint, then wait until your, your pro day and then go all out on that day. It gives you extra time to kind of recover. Because you need, you need at least you want, for sure you want your full eight weeks of combine prep. And if you can't get that, then yeah, wait till your pro day. Yeah, uh, let's move on to uh, – I got two more for who I'm looking forward to. The quarterbacks, of course. Uh, do any of them separate themselves? Uh, I want to see Matt Corral since we saw a lot of them at the Senior Bowl. We haven't seen Matt Corral yet. What do you think about the quarterbacks? Yeah, I mean, when you think about the Senior Bowl, it's like, hey, who helped them? Who helped themselves the most Senior Bowl week? I think it was Matt Corral, but just not being yeah, there. Yeah. <laughs> All the other quarterbacks, you know, nobody really truly separated themselves. I think you could see some – splashy things that you want to kind of pick out and say, you know what, I like this from this guy more than the other guys. Or, you know what, this guy, at least he wasn't too high, but he also wasn't too low. He was even kill. I like that. I take that away. Well, Matt Crowell wasn't there. So there's a lot to be, you know, kind of like desired with where he's at. But, you know, if you just go off of his college film, you know that he's a dynamic player, whether it's while using his legs or using his arm. And now if he could just go out there in shorts and a T-shirt and look better in person than what we saw from the other guys who had to go out to the senior bowl in pads, I think that might catapult him to potentially being QB one in this class. Yeah. I, I want to see how big he is. Cause he is a smaller guy and he's, you had some injuries because of that, but he's a fun, he's a fun guy to watch. And if he goes to the right system, like in new Orleans kind of where they emphasize that short passing game, I think he could be really good. And then, you know, Malik Willis, will he be able to build off of the senior bowl and keep it going? Will, Will we get to see him run? I want to see if he actually does a run. Like, will he hit the four fours? Will it be faster? Stuff like that. So, I, I quarterbacks always interesting. And then my last position, the safeties. I really like the safety class. Obviously, Kyle Hamilton's a prize, but Jalen Petrie, Dax Hill, Lewis Seen, Jaquan Brisker, Ron McKinley, Kirby Joseph. I think they're all top one hundred picks. So, I think uh, the safeties are going to be really fun to see how they play out. Yeah, you know, the one I'm most interested to see is probably Daxton Hill because really he's built like a corner. And when you look at his movement skills, it looks like that of a corner as well. So, you know, our team's going to take him serious at safety. Are they going to maybe play him more in the nickel? You know, I think his testing is going to be really big just in the sense of not just the testing, but what he looks like in drills, his movements. Uh, can he play corner? Is that somewhere where team might start to look and to draft him? Because, again, he's not big, at least from what I remember him being at Michigan around 5'11", 190 something. Not, I mean, he's he's a cornerback essentially size, but somebody that, like lined up as a safety, almost like like a Tyron Matthew type guy. So I'm curious to see how well does he test, and really more so, what does he look like in those drills? Because he might be someone where they're like, you know what? Hey, we want to see you work some outside corner, and what do you look like doing that? Yeah, if I'm him, I am ecstatic about that because you get more money at, at cornerback. Yeah, so, right. uh, yeah, he definitely uh, has the ability to do that. So I'd be interested to see if he – I'm guessing he'll, he'll work out at both, and that'll be uh, really fun to watch. Yeah, those are the players I'm really looking forward to most. Who do you think has the most on the line at the Combine? Oh, man. I, I think, one, I mean, the quarterbacks, I think that's going to be whatever they're throwing right. in the air. But I do think like guys like Drake London, it, it, with his testing – or if he even, you know, performs, right? But he has the most to gain because there are people that are either really high on him or just like, ah, maybe he's the top five receiver in this class. Maybe he's a day two guy. So I think him going out there, if he just 
randomly runs into four fours and kills it in pro agility drills, he's going to shoot up and he might far and away be the first guy taken if he does those. So I think he has like the most to gain and lose more so than anyone else. I think guys like Trayvon Burks, yeah, his whole thing is, well, am I going to be a top 10 pick or am I going to be a top 20 pick? But I think for guys like Drake London, it's, am I going to be a top 10 pick or am I even going to be a first round pick? So I think he has a lot, like kind of the most to gain or lose. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, in Daniel Jeremiah's newest mock, he has Drake London as his wide receiver one going right. yeah, seventh overall, I believe. So, yeah, I think London has a chance to be wide receiver one. I think the wide receiver class is wide open. Like, I, you know, Twitter loves Traylon Burks. I love Traylon Burks. Uh, I think he could be number one, but I, I don't think it's like solidified. I still think Garrett Wilson has a shot maybe, but I really think it's Traylon Burks or Drake London uh, there. For me, uh, I got a couple guys. Uh, Derek Stingley, if he is doing anything, because I know he's coming off injury, but he was great his freshman year, okay his sophomore year and injured. Is he cornerback one? A lot of people like Sauce Gardner. So I think uh, Stingley has a lot to prove out there. Yeah, you know, I think I think both guys really – Stingley, I think with him a, a big part of it is, you know, just the injuries. And, you know, he's had to deal with uh, multiple injuries kind of being banged up over the last couple of years. I think he is riding the high of, a, of a, his terrific, great <laughs> uh, freshman season. It was great. It was amazing. Uh, you know, obviously sometimes had his ups and downs a little bit, not only against Devontae Smith for the most part, but I do think that, you know, these last couple of years, he's kind of left a little bit of meat on the bone in the sense of how good of a prospect he is. So he is terrific. Um, I like a lot about him. I think him going out there and kind of really blowing things away from a testing standpoint will maybe erase some of the doubt in the sense of, you know, just not really playing at the highest level over the last couple of years and really making people more confident that he is a top 10 pick. But if he goes out there and maybe doesn't test as well, then uh, he might be a guy where people will start to, you know, those questions start to get a little bit louder. Yeah, and he seems like a guy, if he falls, he's a fun guy to just take a chance on if you're one of those playoff teams in the 20s. Because yeah. you, you've seen him do it, especially freshman year, SEC. Like, if a lot of – guys can talk themselves into like, I can get the, that quarterback cornerback one out of him again. So I, I think he'll be a, an interesting one. We already talked about Matt Corral, but he's a guy, I think he has a lot on the line. Like you said, he could end up being QB one, uh, depending how he throws and how he uh, interviews and everything. And then two other guys, James Cook and Jerome Ford uh, running back class isn't great, but I'm interested to see how both those guys test. Uh, I think Jerome Ford could, you know, melt the combine and really, rise up into that maybe top five-ish running back class. Yeah, Ford is the one guy out of Cincinnati, right? Uh, a right, lot of people yep. are, are uh, really looking forward to seeing how he runs because he's potentially the more explosive of all the guys there. I like that you brought up James Cook because I actually already have him as a top five running back in this class, and I think he kind of fits the mold of what you want in a back in today's game, a guy who has big home run threat. You know, he led – uh, Georgia in yards per attempt. He was definitely the more explosive of the two. And we know, like, Georgia, they've had all these running backs and different style of guys. He looks different than what we've seen in the past, whether it was Chubb, Sony Michelle, or even uh, in recent years, uh, uh, DeAndre Swift, right? This is a much smaller kind of built guy. I think he's listed at about 5'11", 190 pounds. We'll see what he actually measures in at. But 
you know, his pass catching ability is definitely a plus and something that I think a lot of NFL teams will covet. I think for him is how well does he run? If he can, I don't think he's a four three guy or anything like that. But if he can put some good things on, on uh, paper in the sense of his testing, I think a lot of people will really be kind of, I don't want to say reaching for him, but you you could see him be a late day two pick potentially if he just tests extremely well. Yeah, I think I have him in my mock. I have him in the third to the Browns, which uh, like a Kareem Hunt kind of replacement go with the Georgia backfield. But I think you're right. Like he's not the fastest guy, but neither was his brother Dalvin Cook. So I think he's got that the smooth feet and everything, and he's uh, a good pass catcher, which is what you really want in a running back these days. Yeah, he's going to excel at that. At NFL level, college level, SEC level, it doesn't matter. He's pretty good at that. Yeah. So you mentioned your top five running backs. Let's hear your top five before pre-combine top five. Uh, running backs? Yeah. Yeah, it was uh, Spiller at one, mm-hmm. uh, Breeze Hall at two. Uh, gosh, who was three? Hold on. I know Cook was four. And actually the the Michigan State running back, I had him at five. But gosh, who okay. was my number three guy? Is that Kieran someone. Williams? Yep. Kieran Williams out of Notre Dame. What do now, you think again, of another uh, guy who's not as explosive? The testing for him is going to be big too. I don't think anybody's questioning like him. They're not going to think he's going to run blazing forty. But if he can just run low four or fives, that's a plus for him. Especially a guy who not only brings running back, uh, uh, you know, potential, but also as uh, added value as a return man. So you know that's something you didn't really see from a lot of the other guys. But he actually like had like fifteen punt returns this past season. So I think that special teams value you know, will be coveted by a lot of NFL teams. Because if you are a guy who maybe doesn't come in right away and is a guy, you know, who, like, you know, is playing on an every-down basis, well, that's cool because we still could put you back to that punt return and dress you up on game day. Yeah, I think – I mentioned it earlier, but I think he's one of the better uh, guys at pass blocking and picking up the blitz, even though he's smaller, and he's one of the better pass catchers. So he'll be an interesting guy. Like I said, can he jump into that top three to five – uh, I think he's a top five running back. Can he drop into that top three, even though he's on the smaller side? What do you think of uh, Tyler Algier at BYU? I like him. Now, he might be one of the more underrated prospects. And I think if he runs if he runs well, and that's a guy I've kind of slept on in my top five, if he runs well, which I think he might run better than people expect, he's going to shoot up some boards. Because he's a guy that is kind of wide built. Uh, he has the size. Legit looks like a three-down back. I have to see how he uh, pass protects. But, you know, he can finish runs extremely well. And on tape, he was running away from guys. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, I think the fact that he's at BYU, uh, that might have a little bit something to do with people sleeping on him a little bit. But mm-hmm. I like I liked him. I like him a lot. I, I got to reevaluate my top my top backs when it comes to him. Yeah, he's a he's one of my sleepers too. He's a former linebacker, so I'm sure he's pretty good at the blitz pickup and likes to hit people. But when I was watching Zach Wilson last year, it's like every time he touched the ball, he kind of jumped off the screen. So he's a, he's a fun one for sure. Uh, that's uh that's all I got. You have anything else on the the combine? Any other players you're interested in seeing? Uh, I think that's it as far as. Well, you know, I am, I am, I know we're probably not hearing anything about this, but when it comes to Kayvon Thibodeau, maybe some of the meetings, I wish, you know, we can hear some of the interview talks and how that went or goes because uh, he said some interesting things about Alabama. And I wouldn't be surprised if 
some teams started to question a little bit his desire to be the best football player he can be. Now, again, I don't want to knock him for having, you know, thoughts outside of football and things like that. But when you're, you know, pegged to make millions of dollars, we're talking about, you know, 30 plus million dollars from a team, they want to know you're all in on football. And he just has some comments that were a little opposite. And that's fine. I won't, I don't knock anyone for having desires outside of football and having a plan B. That's great. But if I'm in an organization and I'm going to be paying you all these millions of dollars, I want to know football is your everything, <laughs> you know? And yeah. he, he just made some comments that sounded a little weird. And I, I wonder how the NFL is going to take that. Yeah. And he, it, you know, he started as a guy who almost seemed like a lock to go number one. And now he's dropping down people's mock drafts. You don't hear a bunch about him. So I wonder if the interviews are playing a big part in that. Yeah. Well, let's, uh, let's wrap up uh, here. Let's open it up to questions now from the listeners. Anybody got a question? Going once, going twice. All right. We will call it there uh, at that then. Um, thanks for listening to another edition of the Lions Football Show. You can follow me at Casually Ginger. And you can, Eric, you want to plug anything? Oh, yeah. I'll, you know, follow me on Twitter at Eric underscore Crocker. And from there, you'll see everything that I'm doing, which is kind of a lot these days. But uh, it's exciting times, draft time. You can talk a lot about football and, and these prospects. And, uh, yeah, if, and if you are listening in, if there's any prospects that you want to know more about, man, shoot me a DM. And maybe I can, you know, watch some film and come up with some notes for you. Yeah, let's. Uh, I'm interested to hear your takes as we continue on uh, in the off season and we talk more about the draft as we're in draft season. So, thanks again for listening. Uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. Bye, everybody.